At the center of the augmented reality industry lies one company. It's Gravity Jack. And they've been the secret pioneer in the augmented reality and virtual reality space since the early 2000s. Gravity Jack has worked with a plethora of Fortune 500 companies to create the augmented reality experiences you've seen and used today. And after a long wait, they've finally begun their first ever public stock offering. Gravity Jack invites you to join them. They'll continue to be at the center. Find them on startengine.com. Is it, can we say it's Advent yet? Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, not we're, I mean Thanksgiving's yeah. over. Yeah, right. It's pretty. I mean, our, our Christmas tree's up. Yeah, now for real. Is it? Yeah, it, oh, it wow. got up. Okay, it's I'm what we do after the week. The weekend after Thanksgiving, we always do that. Right. And it's but such a long week, and so I had to get the Christmas tree up. I know yeah. it's gonna sound like it's coming out of nowhere, but I'm ready to change the intro music. Uh, I yeah, just it yeah. just happened Ooh, just now. The it new just, year, the new uh, year's coming. I, it might be time to give a whole uh, imaging thing. I want to know when I'm gonna get my cool sweatshirt. Yeah, like the so, one you're wearing. Uh, we like, don't have to talk to our folks, you know, about like the that. one you're wearing. Yeah, yeah you know, they, they, I don't have on. I don't know. Well, hey, y'all, it's <laughs> good to be that. back. Hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Now, as we slide into Advent, we're actually this show's. But can we title it like you know, Great Britain's Christian Prince is Joe Boot? <laughs> I'd be happy for that. Yeah. Anybody you, who doesn't you, like that, I'll vote for Joe Boot. Do, do, we vote, do we vote in Great Britain? <laughs> Joe, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think you get to be the Christian prince from popular vote. From voting? Is that, is that, I don't know. Hey, Kepler, Kepler Education. Well, I haven't read this one before. Yeah, this is it's a new. new. One. Kepler it's new. Education is an online marketplace for classical Christian education that assures parents maintain their agency without forfeiting the assistance and expertise of qualified conservative Christian teachers. Mm. Kepler offers university model courses in the classical tradition that fit your schedule and budget. Visit Kepler.education. Oh, look at that. Kepler.education. And use our simple search tool to find the course and teacher that meets your child's needs or simply ask for help to get assistance from a real human being. And that's always helpful. Kepler, check them out. <laughs> from Kepler. a real human being. That's what it says. I just, I just read what people put in front of me. I don't know. Who. Anyways, hope that's what you wanted me to say, Kepler. Uh, we're really grateful to have the the Reverend yeah. and the Doctor. The Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, Ezra yeah. Institute. Everything. Yeah. Joseph Boot is a Christian thinker, cultural apologist, philosopher, founder, president of the Ezra Institute. Uh, for contemporary Christianity, he's also served as founding pastor of Westminster Chapel, Toronto, for 14 years. Now at home in Great Britain, Joe has worked in the fields of Christian apologetics, worldview education, church leadership for over 25 years on both sides of the Atlantic. And, and you know, he's spoken at Fight Laugh Feast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, a, he, he's, and he's, I mean, and how many, he brought a standing ovation at yeah. Fight Laugh Feast. His talk. That's yeah. true. He yeah. cheated, though. He cheated because he used, that's my king. Oh, yeah. You can't do that. SM Lockridge, you can't play SM Lockridge and just be like, yeah, you know. Drop the mic and walk off the stage. No, like, you play SM Lockridge, you're cheating. That's it. Dr. Boone. That's the mic drop. That's the mic drop. Hey, thanks for coming back on Cross Politic, man. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, gents. Thank you. Absolutely. So, um, you've lived in the United States, Canada, uh, Great Britain, um, you uh, you have, I think, a, a unique, uh, mm. I don't know, multicultural monarch, <laughs> if I dare say it. Um, <laughs> uh, um, uh, I don't know, like um, connection to our nations and and yeah. the modern West and and this whole conversation of Christian nationalism is is kind of blown up. And I, I just I think we just want to know honestly, like, yeah. um, are you a Christian nationalist? Yeah. What, uh, wait, what's, what's, what are you? What's your take? What's your take, man? <laughs> Um, gosh, where to start? <laughs> I, I would, I would say that, um, 
what I'm what I'm committed to is biblical nationhood and uh, Christian culture. I mm. think that the um, the term nationalism uh, comes with a certain amount of freight, uh, as you know, cultural freight that's quite unhelpful because it's really not na- nationalism is not really a monolithic idea. It's more like nationalisms yeah. uh, that have appeared and and reappeared. And I think that the, I mean, I read, for example, some time back, uh, Yoram Hazoni's book, The Virtue of Nationalism. And obviously you guys mentioned that, um, you know, the Ezra Institute, we've been talking about the importance of a Christian state and uh, Christian culture, the importance of Christian commitment, the Lordship of Christ in every area of life. Um, I, but I personally don't love the term nationalism, and therefore I don't identify myself as a uh, nationalist. Um, but the the uh, and any kind of ism, uh, you know, often when there's an ism as a suffix on the end of a word, often indicates that some well created aspect of God's order is is receiving overemphasis. And so I think uh, as we sort of have this discussion, um, I'll be able to unpick that a little bit. So I don't love the expression. I don't love the term because of what it historically, the kind of freight that uh, has come with that. Mm -hmm. But I'm sympathetic to the concerns that that those people who are talking about Christian nationalism are raising. Yeah. um, Because we're in a, we're in a, a very unstable cultural moment right now and you know there was of course similarly unstable uh, cultural moments in the 20th century and um on the one hand we've been battered by cultural marxism and sort of marxian globalism for about 60 or 70 years uh in in the west there's been a lot of ideological subversion going on in the direction of uh of cultural Marxism uh, and of globalism and demoralization as well. And that has really worn on people. And what we're experiencing right now, I think, in various places is uh, an expected pushback. What you often find is that when something has been overemphasized for a long time that has a small element of truth in it, the importance of community, uh, the importance of international relations, um, and then that that the, the that whole idea of internationalism becomes basically a globalist ideology. Uh, it tends to call forth its opposite, mm-hmm. and that's what we're sort of beginning to see culturally um, in various um, different populist movements. Some of them have you know are vaguely uh, Christian or vaguely connected to a Christian past. Others aren't. Uh, or at least they're not overtly in any way connecting themselves to, to to the Christian faith. So, for example, some of them in in Europe pushing back, say, against the globalism that's brought mass immigration, some of it legal, some of it illegal into Europe. A lot of the pushback is against um, Islam, a very necessary resistance. But with it is, well, we've got to defend all of these liberal ideas like, you know, gay marriage and uh, the whole LGBTQ agenda. And all of that then gets thrown in with this populist thing that we have got to defend these uh, radically autonomous liberal ideals and ideas. So that's probably a bit of a long way of saying, you know, I would identify myself more with um, uh, conservatism 
Christian conservatism and the idea of Christian nationhood, Christian states, Christian culture, I wouldn't want to closely associate myself with the ideals historically of nationalism. Yeah. And and maybe we can talk a bit more uh, about that. But that, that yeah, that's I, why I, I'd actually, I've not carried that label. Uh, yeah. Joe, I'd like I'd actually, th this is a practical question. So not even necessarily a, you know, a theological one a, a, per se. Um, I, I agree with you that, the term nationalism is problematic. David Bonson, uh, I'm very sympathetic to David Bonson's take on that. But there's, there's this kind of this practical aspect to it right now where it's like, I mm. mean, the liberals and the left are basically lumping all these people into the bucket of Christian nationalism. You know, you got Al Mohler yeah. lumped in the bucket with us. You got... Um, can, we, I, can we kick him back out? I mean, I'll take Al for okay. right now. For okay. right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but, but don't also, give me a vote. But also, like the flip side of this, you'd you'd say you'd call yourself a con you, conservatism. You 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 can sign off to that word. But mm -hmm. right now, we're in America where the Republicans are absolutely trashing that word and how they live yeah. it out. And so it's like I agree that the term historically nationalism is very problematic. But right now, it it to me it seems like it's a positive you know, word right now, um, although I could see it going negative very quickly um, and, and the f the script getting flipped on us very quickly with that word. I, I, I don't want to ramble too long, but like how do we yeah, practically sort through the terminology that's being used to describe this broad camp of Christians and, mm -hmm. you know, the actual terminology, even of like the word conservatism, where it's like, well, we've trashed that, but people still acknowledge the goodness of that word. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, it, it, it's not uh, it's not especially easy, and I think you know there because there are a variety of different perspectives on those who are calling for um, the, uh, a, a Christian commitment in the family, in the church, and in the state. Yeah, uh, and so the the, the so there is I acknowledge difficulty around well, what is what are the terms that we want to use? And I, I grant that there is a there is a practical point here because there are. People of a broadly, you know, um, conservative hue, as you said, who would be all swept up with the the liberal label of a nationalist. Yeah. Um, I myself have been identified in the Canadian media as, you know, a, na a Christian nationalist. Um, and at that point, yeah, is there much point arguing with them about their terminology? I don't think they'd really uh, be able to tease out the distinctions that we're wanting to draw. Mm. So. Um, I, I guess what I'm emphasizing is that I think it's important that whatever labels we do de decide to use, um, and uh, I, that's why I prefer to talk about Christian culture um, yeah. and uh, Christian nations as opposed to nationalism, because I think what what tends to happen is that the political philosophy, the nationalism, is what takes priority, uh -huh. um, and that's the uh, that's the risk. And what historically, you know, the term nationalism, at least in its generic sense, really came out of the 19th century romantic movement and uh, Hegelianism, not exclusively, but uh, but Hegel and the whole idea of the Volk, you know, of a, of a people and a place. It was almost like a mystical view of a people where people and place almost merge into one sort of mystical idea of of custom, of blood and soil. Um, and what tends to go along with that, what tends to get carried along with that is what I would call a primordial view of um, the nation a pri and a primordial view of race. So you've got the Marxists on over here who have a constructivist view, 
um, which is basically the idea that, you know, um, we uh, that there's nothing to the whole idea of nationhood um, it, it and, and people group. It's purely socially constructed um, and uh, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't really mean anything. The, the only thing that matters is when we talk about race, we, we've got a tool for criticizing white people and Western culture. I mean, that that basically is. Uh, and the only the only culture you can criticize is Western culture and everybody else that's off limits. So that, that's what we've been used to for for some time. The reaction when we just when we talk about nationalism first um, is that what comes tends to come along with that is a primordial view of the nation which I think ends up historically looking equally mystical and unrealistic. And, and of course, you know, in North America, we know um, as, you know, Canada and the United States, the nations of immigrants. Um, we're made up of peoples from all over the world. And often when I talk to people about Britain, you know, England, well, you know, what is English national identity or British national identity wasn't really firmly established till the 18th century English identity really with Alfred the Great and the, and the ninth and the 10th century when he fought off the Vikings. And then there was some sense of um, who are these angles? Who are these, the, who are the English? Could there be a united England? Um, but there were still Danes in the North. There was still Dane law. Um, and it took time for everybody to be united religiously um, with a, with Christian conviction. And then under one idea of law, um, but you know you've got the Celts, the Britons, um, the Anglo, the Anglo-Saxons, uh, the basically the Romans, the Italians. Uh, so you had um, uh, multiple different sort of ethnic people groups that were that were living together. Um, not always easy bedfellows. They still aren't. I mean, the 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 the, the challenges in Britain today, just with the 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 Welsh and the Scots and the English, there are. Historic tensions there. And as we've de-Christianized, mm. there's been demands for more and more devolution, more and more separation, strong rise of of, um, of a kind of um, uh, anti-Semitic republicanism in Scotland, uh, for example. Um, and so the 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 cohesion of a people i think can't be romanticized in the way that um, hegel did it as fundamentally about uh, custom and uh, collapsing the people and the place in a romantic sense um that that is what really identifies the individual that the individual that you and i can most fundamentally be identified by nationhood uh, and I think that is the difficulty because what we, of course, as Christians are trying to say is Christian nations are important. Nation states that are committed to Christ are important. Mm -hmm. uh, but what identifies us individually and as a family and as a church, and then hopefully eventually even as a nation is our commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, a good illustration of of where our priority has to be is, of course, given by our Lord himself when he says, tells us that family cannot take priority over the kingdom of God, can't take priority over the family of God. He says, if you're not willing to, you know, surrender, give up um, home and, and, and family, father, mother, etc., because of me, uh, for me, you're not worthy of me. And when the uh, when his relatives were concerned about his mental health quite frankly they said you know is he uh he was being accused of being deranged in the early chapters of mark 
because of the busyness of of the kingdom work and so the the jewish leaders in the end said we've got a last resort get his mum. So they get his mum and his <laughs> brothers and they come to try and this says they actually came to try and restrain Jesus. And uh, when the message got to him that his family were there, he says, who is my mother and my brother and my sister? But, and he looked around the group and he says, those who do the will of God are my mother, my brother, my sister, etc." So our first identification as, as, as a people, as individuals, as families, is to Christ and his kingdom. And if we, if we're in a family that is utterly rebelling against God, we have to stand with God and his kingdom against our family. And if we're in a church that is abandoning the word of God and is apostatizing against the truth of the gospel, just because it's our church and it's been there for years and we've always lived here and our family's always gone there and so on, we have to stand against that church in favor of the kingdom and it's the same with our nation that uh even though i'm a patriot right i i love my country and i'm a dual citizen of of the united kingdom and and canada um i consider myself a patriot i i'm committed to uh the the defense of the realm but my priority as a believer is the gospel of the kingdom and if my nation is an apostasy against God, I must stand with God, so, even if it's against my own nation. And that's why the Christian culture must, the kingdom must come before nation. And that's where I think that some of the discussions around nationalism can go, can go awry. So Joe, where do you um, kind of, how do you sort out the kind of the two kingdom, the modern, let me put it this way, the modern two kingdom debate in all this? Mm-hmm. Because they're making that same argument too, though. Is that where you're getting at that? Yeah, I mean, right. they're they're. Um, it seems like there's a little borrowing, so saying, of, saying that the the priority is the kingdom of God, right, and, over and against like over against yeah. the politics yeah. and yeah. culture. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, well, quite right. Yeah, well, this is a this is a this is a, another track. Um, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. Always. Um, the 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 two kingdoms uh people sure they'll try and make hay with some of this um because they'll say well the priority is the kingdom but they don't mean what we mean mm. so when we talk about the priority being the kingdom of god we mean that the family the church the state so the nation culture law politics education all must be submitted to the lordship of jesus christ so that we can genuinely talk about christian nations truly christian churches truly christian families we're committed to that what they mean is well the uh the kingdom of god and everything else that goes on in the world run on parallel tracks the kingdom of god only exists in the ecclesia in the church so they make a they basically conflate and confuse basileia kingdom with ecclesia and they say the basileia basically well most of them this is what they would fundamentally do is the basileia the kingdom of god is really expressed in the life of the ecclesia in this age and it's not until the second coming so the kingdom is both truncated and then isolated to the church institute 
And then fundamentally, the rest, any other manifestation of the kingdom of God is pushed into some future realm, some future state after at the eschaton, um, so that we don't have to think about how Christianity and the claims of Christ transforms mm. a nation or transforms the family or transforms education or transforms politics and law and all of that. No, there's no such thing as a Christian view of law or a Christian view of politics. You know, there's only theology, that's the Christian science, and then there's the institutional church, and that's the kingdom of God, basically. So um, so they're they're even they're they're way off. To, to my mind, you know, they're their their perspective is so far from being biblical that they are actually calling forth uh, all kinds of apostate political philosophies that are currently yeah. um dominating our uh, cultural landscape so you know my sympathies are w with of course i'm with those who want to see the the state and the nation turn to christ so that we can talk about christian government yeah. um a Christian culture and an aspect of culture is political life. But the, but one of the ways I try and describe it is this, is that there is both the source of the river and there's the mouth of the river. As culture is like a great big river. Culture, cultus, worship, uh, it's, uh, it's basically our applied beliefs in any given area. The source uh, of, the, uh, of the river is... Um, of course, is the the work of God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit through His Word to transform the mouth of the river. Though at the very end of the river, as it's tipping out into the sea, that is where the political happens. So, what's happening in our political life and has been for some time is a reflection of culture. It's 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 the you know the politicians for the most part try and take the air temperature, and then they. Yeah. adjust themselves pragmatically to what they think uh for the most part is going to get them elected right um and so you tend to find there is a reciprocal uh, element to all of this but you tend to find that politics politics itself this the government of the state is at the mouth of the river it's almost the last part to typically be affected and transformed and that the harder work is done between the source and the mouth and that tends to be the life of the family the life of the church the vocations arts media etc cetera, etc cetera. and then you finally see political shifts that's why it's taken you know really since the french revolution all this time to get us to the point where we're almost lost as western nations to apostasy um and uh it's much further gone in canada and in europe than it is in the united states but you know the the u.s is almost two countries today in some respects you know at least <laughs> spiritually and <laughs> yeah, maybe more yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, it's an issue of what we what we address uh first and i think sometimes the nationalism emphasis again will usually lean on the idea of a sort of strong political leader, um, a strong pr um, Christian prince kind of idea. Nothing wrong with Christian leaders, but it will often lean on that idea to then say, well, they can utilize the power of the state to really enforce our, our view of things um, against kind of maybe what even is happening uh, culturally. And because I'm committed to what I think is the biblical principle of sphere sovereignty, which is the state is supposed to be small, 
um, and limited and is a ministry of justice. It's not supposed to be a ministry of everything else, right. uh, which it's become. Therefore, the very idea of a very big power state is uh, with with a sort of domineering and dominating. It tends to move in this hierarchical pattern that the state is at the top of a, of a pyramid of spheres of authority um and it's the top one because that's the that really is the scholastic history oh, of, of of that idea so the state's at the top um and the catholics would call it subsidiarity right. so they're various subsidiary authorities but the one that is the real that's there to bring us to perfection um, that to leads us toward perfection. This was the Greek idea: is the state, and it's that powerful ruler, um, and that usually means big state, strong, powerful government. Um, whereas I think for us, um, as sort of more, we'd be more biblical libertarian. We would say that God's law needs to govern, and the state is to be reduced to biblical limits. All right, I've got a question. Yeah. I got to let me read this ad, and then I'm, I'm gonna come right back to you, Joe. Uh, you guys are aware that we have a new app, right? Yeah, you, I'm, I'm aware. Are you aware? Yeah. Um, does everybody listening know we have a new app? Please, if, people, if you're go, watching, we got Joe knows. App. Yeah, yeah. Joe knows. Even, Ezra is yeah. on network. Even, even Joe knows. Yeah. If if not, you should download it right now. Um, just go check your app, and if it's doing something funky, you might need to delete, delete it, it and, and just download it, yeah. it again. Just search Fight Lab Feast or Pub TV. Uh, head over to your app store. Uh, you can also search Cross Politic, Fight Laugh Feast, Pub TV. Once you find the app, you may need to update your app. Or if you have a Droid phone, you may need to delete your current or buy a new phone. <laughs> Redownload it. Whoa, whoa. Hey, Harsh. Personal. Harsh. He gets a new sweatshirt. Look at him talking yeah. about his personal and all that stuff. Get off that joint. Once <laughs> downloaded, you'll be able to view or listen to our content right on your mobile device. As always, if you'd like to sign up for a pub membership, you can head over to fightlaughfeast.com. That's fightlaughfeast.com. So when you're on the app, um, there's a bunch of free content that we're just giving away. Uh, our daily shows, a bunch of the other um, shows on the Fight Laugh Feast um, network, including the Ezra Institute podcast. Um, and others all free, but there is some stuff from like past conferences and other content that we put together that, um, we give to our, our pub members, our yeah. club members. And so if you want to get access to those, the ones that have a little lock on them, uh, just sign up at fightlaughfeast.com, um, get that membership started and you got access to everything. Yeah. And go to, go to fightlaughfeast.com to sign up. Don't give Apple. It, Apple takes 30% yeah. of whatever. Okay. If you sign up through the phone, takes yeah. 30%. Go to sign, go, go to the website, sign up. It'll, yeah. it'll work. You'll right. get your password. You'll still be able to log into the app. So, right. um, uh, Joe, are you are you familiar with um, uh, Rusty Reno's book, the, uh, the oh. Return of the Strong Gods? Yeah, I'm not. Okay, um, well, that's too bad. But, um, <laughs> but um, let me. Uh, I'm gonna. I want to ask a question, kind of um, riffing off of some of the points that he makes, because I'm. I'm I, I I agree with a ton of the way you've framed this, and and at the same time, I think one of the ways. Um, so I'm coming very much from a um, you know. Uh, theonomic background, Kuyperian, yeah, period, yeah. sphere sovereignty background. So that's very much, you know, where we're, you're, you're talking my language. I'm, you know, uh, we are, um, I'm, I'm giving you the, 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 um, the internet fist bump. Um, but um, I think one of the things, maybe one of the places where we have sometimes not done a great job and where one of the places where some of this um, surging Christian nationalism conversation is, is attractive is painting a, positive vision of the spheres i think mm -hmm. in, in the in the in the world we live in when you've got this overweening you know what i call the sort of the job of the hut state um 
you know, that, that wants to be the ministry, everything we're, we're in really highly defensive mode. And we're talking about how, you know, it needs to be limited. It needs, you know, it needs to go on chemo and, um, and we need a, a strong, we need strong family governments. We need strong church governments. Um, and you know, we've abdicated our responsibilities and therefore the state has taken a bu- bunch of our responsibilities over and so forth. Not all, I get all that. And I agree with all that. Um, but I think sometimes it's also such a defensive mode mm-hmm. that sometimes people say, but, 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 you know, what if I do get elected to office? What do I do? Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, what, what if I do become a, a you know, a, a County commissioner? What, what if I, you yeah. know, what if I have gifts in law and I want to use those gifts? And, and, um, and I think one of the ways that, um, uh, sort of the, I don't know, a little bit of a medieval approach that has, has been brought into this conversation is, is also just the notion, notion of, um, uh, uh, having rightly ordered loves, um, mm-hmm. to these different spheres. So you were talking about, you know, the ultimate loyalty that we're to have to Christ. Obviously that's true. Ultimate loyalty to Christ. And if someone is asking us to disobey Christ, we say, sorry, we got to obey Christ, whether it's family, church, state, et cetera. But, um, but again, um, that doesn't, it, it can sound sort of extreme or uh, entirely negative, but you know, we come back around the other side and say, but of course we're supposed to be building healthy families, uh, where the, yeah. the love of brother and sister and mother is really being grown. So, and then, and then of course that's shared then in the body of Christ. Um, or, but then mm. and I'm, I'm curious, we do that with family pretty well. What does that look like though? In the state, we're not, if we're not Marxists and we're not primordialists, what's the mm. rightly ordered love to nation? What does that look like? Mm. How do we practice that? How we grow that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, that I think it was Augustine who who talked about the the right ordering of love. So in the end, he said, um, you know, love and do what you will, right. uh, because if you've because if you've mastered that, uh, then um, th- once you've once you've understood that, then then love will be will be rightly ordered. I would say that um, one of the um, well, first one of the, one of the unique contributions of the discussion of sphere sovereignty. Is that we don't put these the different spheres and jurisdictions in a hierarchical arrangement. Um, so we don't emphasize state over family or family over state. If you emphasize family over state, you have a mafia. If you emphasize church institute over family and state, you've got a uh, an ecclesiocracy. Right. Um, and if you emphasize the state over the others, you end up with a totalitarian picture of the state. Um, I think our our attitude toward the state does need to be. Uh, a strongly positive one. Um, the Puritans used to talk about um, Moses and Aaron going together. You remember when Moses is commissioned to go to Egypt to confront Pharaoh, uh, and that was a that was a significant task. Uh, you know, to prophetically f- confront a living God uh, of the Pharaoh and a demand that God says, "Let my uh, son go, that he may serve me." Right. Um, Aaron is appointed as his spokesperson, you know, in in the early chapters of Exodus where Moses is arguing with God there. And it says, and Moses met um, Aaron on the mountain and they kissed one another. And the Puritans looked at that and they said, well, there is civil government and priesthood. There there is um, the, the, the church and the state kissing one another on the Mount of God in mutual service to God. And so... Um, both are to 
to serve the Lord. And so magistrates in Psalm 2 and kings are called to kiss the sun. So I do think, and I think I, I do try and do this in Mission of God, my book and Ruler of Kings, is set out a very positive view and positive vision of civil government. It's one form of government and we need a very positive view of it. Um, the Puritans had a positive view of it. I actually think that, um, you know, our, if you look at participation rates uh, in, in our democratic uh, processes now in the, in the West, um, we're seeing actually the decline of people's trust in political life, um, decline of trust in political leaders because they see a collapse of integrity. Uh, they see a collapse of honesty, of truth, of justice. And that means people start to to disengage. So I think you are, you are onto something there. We need a positive vision of what it means to contribute at the level of civil government from a distinctly Christian standpoint. And I think that's the key, uh, again, with some of the discussions around um, uh, nationalism. We tend to hear a lot about, um, uh, you know, natural law, um, abstract conceptions of the source of law. Um, we, we But often we're not having very direct conversations about the lordship of Jesus Christ and the authority of his word, specifically his revealed word. Now, I think much you know unites all of us who are discussing these issues too. For example, we want God to be recognized as the ultimate authority. Uh, we want to see the Ten Commandments um, regarded as the foundation and so on and so forth. And, and I think that's how we begin to set out um, uh, a, a positive, um, a vision of the state. I think, you know, in, in, um, in the U S, uh, institutional, um, uh, constitutional arrangements, one of the challenges that I think makes this issue, uh, maybe a little bit more challenging even in America is that, um, the, uh, it's, you want to be a patriot. Um, and, uh, one of the, one of the wonderful things about America is, the the self belief that uh, Americans tend to have have had historically tremendous sense of self confidence um, and a real belief that there is something unique and special about the, the American founding uh, and so on. With a president um, who you know, if you've got a president though in the White House who's the commander in chief and the figurehead of the nation. Um, but you're totally opposed to the global globalist Marxism coming out of the of the White House. Yeah. Um, it's hard to feel a love for your country. You know, mm. um, I think people sometimes people find that difficult. Um, one of the there are weaknesses, of course, but one of the strengths of the British system, and we were talking about the crown before we um, went live here, right. uh, is that the head of state is not the prime minister. Mm. The head of state is the king or the queen. And uh, they swear constitutionally, historically in, in Britain, in England, um, to serve Christ. Uh, I don't know whether you guys uh, watched the, the coronation. Oh, yeah. But, but if you did, you'd have been you'd have, you'd have heard the the wording of that service. Absolutely incredible. Now I know much of it is pantomime. Uh, obviously, now right. um, how much it, of the weight of that really lands in the people involved, that's really for the Lord to uh, determine. Right. Um, I hope it means a bit more than it used to, to to King Charles. But that commitment there, the whole idea of that was that there was king and country. That's what we used to say uh, in the ordering of love. Um, king and country, but it's God, king, country. So it's 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 the living God. It's then his 
um, the one who's as head of state, who's sworn to defend the law and gospel. So God, king, and then your your country, your your people. Um, so we do need that positive vision. And I think we should talk about still talk about love of country and gratitude for our country. Um, but it can't be um, America come hell or high water. What if God is judging Britain today? What if he's sweeping us aside? We don't have um, a God-ordained right to a permanent existence. The churches in the book of Revelation didn't. Um, Many nations have disappeared off the face of the earth. Some that were there in biblical history, like the Hittites, uh, have just vanished. Um, So if we in our apostasy continue to spit in the face of Christ and rebel against God, Great Britain has no God-ordained right to perpetuate our culture. Um, And so... Uh, and, and and the same is true even of the United States. Right. Uh, we need to turn to the Lord. And so when I read in some of the books um, that, well, you know, any person who's coming into another country needs to respect and honor the customs um, and the practices of that unique uh, culture, that country, because that's what you should do with a host country. You need to respect all of that. Um, with that sort of sense of people and place, blood and soil nationalism. Well, even if the the people who are coming into your nation bring a superior sense of virtue uh, with them that we need to learn, um, if that isn't tr- if that isn't true, if that isn't something that we have the authority to do, then then it's out with the Great Commission, isn't it? Um, and forget Christian missions from the West, where we, for example, went to India and banned the sati, the burning of the of widows on the funeral pyres of their husbands. We wouldn't have been able to challenge the customs of those apostate cultures. And actually, we do need Christian missionaries coming into Britain and Europe and America and Canada now with the gospel calling us again to repentance as well um and uh and actually maybe bringing christ-centered customs to bear on some of our apostasy mm. does that make sense yeah. if we can't do that then actually not only would be we, we be leaving other pagan or islamic nations behind to stew in their own juice but in our own apostasy who is going to reclaim us um, and that's where I think, you know, the, some of the, some of the more hardline nationalistic blood and soil versions of this, um, miss, I think a rightly ordered love. So don't get me wrong. I'm all for king and country, uh, the flag, American patriotism. These are positive things ordered under the authority of Christ and uh, and his word. And we do need to set out a positive vision of political life and of constitutional life and of service in the civil sphere, because people are becoming disillusioned with the, um, with the swamp. Yeah. That's well said, Dr. Boot. That's good. You can, you can listen to Dr. Boot. I can't ask you more questions. uh, That's fine. I mean, I have questions too, but like I'm saying no. Okay. okay. Right. You have to. You're gonna have right. to go to Dr. Boo. What website can people go to to check you out? It's EzraInstitute.com for uh, our uh, all of our resources there, and and it's the podcast for cultural reformation on the on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Oh, and um, Ezra Press is our is our little publishing house where you can. Um, uh, pick up books like The Mission of God and Ruler of Kings toward a get Christian those. vision. And, of and government. Get those. And and Joe, you're you're on Twitter now, right? 
I knew you were going to bring this up. At some <laughs> yeah, point. boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was you who told me to get on Twitter a number Good. of years ago, and I'd been I'd been poo pooing it with my favorite joke about uh, the the um, the the merger of YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and they were going to call it you twit face. and and but but I finally succumbed and yes I, I do have a Twitter account now that's right it's getting me into a lot of trouble Toby yeah, good. Good, good, good you need all the trouble I just want to just be on record that I you know peer pressure works with yeah yeah, yeah. 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 with Joe <laughs> Doctor Boo hey, thank you what, one last question you do um uh regional uh and they aren't workshops but um symposiums uh do you mm -hmm. have one coming up here in the, in the United States. So we just had one actually um, in Charleston, and um, there are some being lined up. What I would say is that um, the the thing that we'd love to to uh, to invite our uh, American friends to is our Cultural Leadership Academy, because Ezra is now firmly embedded in the U.S. Our office is in Chattanooga, in Tennessee, mm. and we're running our main training program. Our head office is now in the U.S., and we're running our main training program um, in the United States in july it's called the cultural leadership academy and um we'd love to uh we'd love to have uh students basically it's aimed at 19 through 40 year olds um and uh it's happening this summer you can find out all about it on our on our website so please join us for that it's right there at home in uh, the land of the free mm. and the Dr. home Boo, of the brave thank you so uh, much you no notice that it's 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 the age Break up! It's we're, we're too old. Yeah, I noticed. He, that. I think he did that because he knew how old we were. <laughs> if you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids? And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. I'm David Reese, Chief Executive Officer of Armored Republic. We've been around for over a decade, serving you now, trying to provide tools of liberty to free men to be able to resist tyrants and criminals to the honor of Christ. And we've created a lot of content to help you to understand products, to help you to understand how bullets get stopped, and you've seen a lot of cool things. But we've decided it's time to share some of what we have internally. A lot of people ask us what it is that we're about, what it is we're trying to accomplish, and the name captures what we're trying to accomplish. Armored Republic is the idea that we want to see our Republic armored. We want it to be hardened. We want it to be defensible. We want it to guard, watch, keep, preserve, maintain the things that have been attained to. And so guarding that is a part of this armoring. We believe that if we can provide armor to you, if we can equip you, if we can give you knowledge, if we can help you to resist the nonsense that's dominant in the spirit of the age, and if you have all of that, we've equipped you with tools of liberty. Tools of Liberty includes intellectual ammunition. It includes the skill to be able to resist. It includes body armor itself, plate carriers, belts, IFACs to be able to heal up, stitch up, to be able to stop the bleed. Right? These are the things that we're trying to get to you. Now, as we think about that, a part of what's happened is there's, there's, there's sort of this, this, this sense in which there's a feeling of the tearing of the fabric of society. And so people don't know what it is that they should be doing. They don't know what to do, what to guard, where, where to gather. We want to encourage you to be able to gather free men who know what liberty is, who know that liberty is not a license to do wickedness, but it is the power to do righteousness in the face of, of tyrants and criminals. It is the ability to say no, and it's the ability to say yes to the right things. It's the ability to build. You need sword and trowel. You have to be able to put things together. 
So what we're trying to do now is trying to communicate more and more what it is to armor the Republic. And in addition to that, what is the Republic that we're guarding and trying to build? Republic's not just another word for democracy, which is the rule of the people. The rule of the people is, is, is two wolves and a sheep voting who's for dinner. If you, if you have a pure democracy, all you're going to do is vote on who to kill, and you're going to vote on whose wallet to pick. That's not what America is about. America is a republic if we can keep it. The Constitution attempts to capture the God-given rights that we receive as a heritage. It recognizes them. It does not give them. It does not grant them. But it rather establishes a clear public recognition of the rights that we have. What we are trying to do is to help to educate and strengthen and unite a movement to see that liberty does not perish from the land. This is Armored Republic, and in a republic, there is no king but Christ.